Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. Um, I'm going to play you a recorded session that I recorded the other day in the morning walking around Susia. And then I actually have an interview afterwards. So the show is a combination of my summer style and back to the interviews, which we're going to start picking up again. I can only talk so much, people, okay? So we actually have this show, a combination. Enjoy. Everybody, good morning. I'm out walking the dog. Packer. That's his name, Packer. Um, we just passed the goat farm. So now it's pretty quiet. It's pretty funny. I I um I have recorded standing right outside the goat farm, right outside the the pen. You can hear them making their noises. And when I play it back to hear it. Super soft, so I haven't played it for any of you because it doesn't resonate. It doesn't. It doesn't sound the way it does when you're here. It's just so. It's pretty overpowering, um, and it doesn't come across that way when I play it back. So I've left it. But it's um, six in the morning here, and it's very um, funny what happened. I let the dog off the leash, I let Packer off the leash for like five minutes every day at the same place. And I've trained him to come to me. And he runs down. It's, we're going down this, this, inc- this decline, I guess. And there's something called a Zula, a um, Zula. We would call that a clubhouse, a clubhouse that the teens built a few years ago. It's, um, you know, wood planks and everything, a little house. And inside is like a couch and there's even a bedroom. We've given them windows to use. Anyway, the bottom of this hill. You have to kind of cross a little river, creek, nachal thing also. So he runs down there and uh, looks around and chases things, whatever. Sometimes goes inside the clubhouse. So today, and I always have to look first to see if the she- if the goats are out with the with the shepherd. Um, because if they are, he'll he'll get excited and get go inter- intervene there and interrupt them. So I have to check, and it's very, very hard to see because the goats are quiet when they're out with the shepherd. They're super quiet, and they just look like moving rocks. You know, you don't really see them clearly, so you really have to look. And um, <clears throat> also, there might be other animals. There are foxes, and there are... Um, oh God, I can't remember the name of this other animal. Um, but it's a, it's a nasty animal. Um... <laughs> And they're around there too. Um, jackals, yes, but there's another one, an animal that. Uh, wow, I can't forget. I can't remember what it's called. So um, we have to be careful of those also, because he may get hurt um, going off against one of them. Anyway, so this morning, I let him off the leash just now. You know, 15 minutes ago, I let him off the leash. He ran down. He seemed very determined. Um, and I saw that he went into the clubhouse. But as he's running down, I heard some scampering near me. And I looked to my left, and there were two foxes who had been right in front of us. I mean, a little bit, I guess, hidden in the rocks. And they ran away because they saw him. But it was so funny. He totally missed his target. You know, he missed an opportunity to chase two foxes. 
And um, I thought, wow, that's so funny. I'm, you know, it's, it's August now. It's the nine days. And I have been in this, I guess you call it a slump for the past, I don't know, you could even say the past six months, year even. Maybe the whole Corona thing, maybe stop traveling, the change, the changes in society, I don't know. But I have seemed to have lost a lot of my energy and my motivation. And um, it's been horrible. You know, I'm actually, I was scheduled to go to the doctor to, to test my blood to see if I have some kind of vitamin deficiency. Like, why am I so, you know, without energy without motivation internal motivation and um suddenly i guess three days ago four you know something like that i feel fine it came back i'm motivated i'm working i'm actually making plans to travel to the states after the bar mitzvah to uh rile up support you know for our medics our awesome medics um i'm looking to go to florida maybe texas and I haven't had motivation for a while to do any traveling at all and to meet new people or get excited. I don't know why. So what happened? You know, why did I lose focus and why do I regain focus? I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the nine days, if that has something to do with it. It might. I don't know. Maybe little changes in my life, you know, my second boy going to the army. I don't know, is that a change? When you live here and that happens, you know, my friends are asking me from the States, are you scared? Are you worried? And I'm like, no, not at all. I don't really think about it. It's normal. You know, your kids going to the army is normal. Your kids going away to yeshiva when they're 14 is normal. These things become normal. I guess anything can become normal if you get used to it and you're comfortable with it, right? Especially, though, if it's going on all around you with everyone else you know. When you join Israeli society, when you move here, you become part of Israeli society. And things that maybe didn't seem normal before become normal. Um, and things that maybe once were scary don't become scary anymore. It's uh, funny, you know, when people tell me they're not going to come visit me because they're scared. They don't travel down here. Israelis, I'm talking about. People who live here. It's, uh, it's kind of funny to hear that, you know, it's funny to me. But it's just because they are not used to it. And anything can be scary if it's unknown, right? But things are, are really, I guess, bouncing back all over, you know. People are coming out here. They're coming to Israel for all kinds of reasons. I have like three groups of friends coming in the next couple of weeks. In August, I'm planning little day trips for them out here in Har Havron. Maybe also in the Jordan Valley. Um... I got someone to help me uh, continue on with that pool we built on the side of the mountain in Lavot Yeruho, and this woman is um, adding on shading right next to the pool. Um, there are always activities to do. There are always um, little projects to do. Um, we have um, a woman who gave a motorcycle and also defibrillators. We have to do a ceremony for her. All kinds of people love Israel cannot come do not come but 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 uh, make a difference anyway I just love that of course I love it more when they do come but not everybody can you know people get sick people get older it's hard to travel all kinds of things 
Um, but the ones that, that still stay connected any way they can, I love that. And I appreciate that we all do here because, you know, Israel may have this image of being so strong and economically powerful, but out here in Yehud and Sharon, you know, it's still underdeveloped. And there are a lot of people living here and we need to live here. You know, not, you can't just live in Tel Aviv and um, Haifa and the developed areas. You can't, because what's going to happen to the rest of Israel? It'll be overtaken by the Arabs. You know, they're, they're trying their hardest. And they're doing a much better job than we are. I'll add one more thing. Um, regarding the program, I uh, have been getting really nice comments. How you all have enjoyed the new format for the summer. But, um, you know, enough of me talking. I can only talk so much. And um, we're going to return to the interviews. I have a bunch of people waiting to be interviewed who have contacted me. And that's going to happen um, immediately. I'm going to have an interview soon, either this right after I talk now or starting next week. Um, and if any of you would like to be interviewed or have anyone out here in Israel who has made Aliyah with a cool story, if you know people who want to make Aliyah or are in the stages of planning their Aliyah, you can put them on the air. Um, I have sometimes people reaching out to me who made Aliyah like in the 80s. And I don't know if that's relevant. Um, it's so long ago. And it, Aliyah today is different and Israel is different. But um, maybe it's good to see those differences. Maybe it's good to appreciate those differences. Maybe there are things back then that were much harder than today. I remember when I made Aliyah in 1993, there was no Nefesh Benefesh. And um, I had to do all my bureaucratic work on my own, going to these offices and waiting forever and struggling with the language and everything. I remember opening a bank account took forever. I ended up usually, you know, screaming at somebody. Um, I still do sometimes. I still do things just take me a long time. And I, I've learned, and we all do this, we all learn patience. You really learn patience. And, you know, some people on the other end, the, the uh, what do you call it, customer support, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're nice, and sometimes they're not. And sometimes the Israeli way of being nice isn't our way. You know, they think they're being nice, and so they come off, you know, sounding sarcastic. That happens a lot. They have this expression here, betach, um, means of course, all right? And they throw it in a lot when things maybe seem obvious to them or maybe they just put it in thoughtlessly like like of course of course almost like of course you idiot why wouldn't you do that that's how it sounds to me right when someone says that may even be how it sounds to some of you when you ask a question like don't betach me you know if i'm asking a question it's because i don't know don't say of course like i'm an idiot so this happens a lot this happens a lot there's also an expression here which means there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, there's nothing to be done. Okay? Which is a way of giving up. Okay? It's lazy. It's a lazy answer in many cases. Um, and I always have an answer. You know? Yes, there is something you can do. You know? You can get up and change. <laughs> so these little, little, uh, you know, yom yom, everyday exchanges 
that I have had, I continue to have here with different, um, you know, service providers, bankers, the telephone people, any person, even, you know, a salesperson, the, just, just having conversations with Israelis and engaging society that way, it is a constant, constant challenge. And I'm saying that with a smile because you really do learn um, how to think on your feet and how to be patient. And, uh, you know, there was a time when I probably hated it, you know, but I know, that, I know my husband hated it, but I always found it like funny. And I was told a very, very good piece of advice way back when I made Aliyah in 1993. I was 22, I think, living on a kibbutz. And my friends are all from Brazil. They're Brazilian from Sao Paulo. And I was frustrated, I guess, back then. And one of my friends said, Natalie, life here is a movie. Just look at it like it is a movie. You're living a movie. And I used that advice. I took that to heart. And I really think I internalized it because you don't make it here if you take things too seriously. And if you plan too far ahead, you have to kind of let things play out. Joining us today is Yosef Kaplan, who made Aliyah in September of 2009. He came from Brooklyn, married with children. He'll tell us a little bit more. Um, today he lives in Kochav Yaakov and is a personal trainer. But I spoke with Yosef earlier, and his story is really good. So welcome to the show, Yosef. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Okay. You came in 2009, um, but what happened to, to cause you to, to make the move from, from America? Coming to Israel was always a, I guess, dream of my wife and mine. And um, it was just getting to that point where you actually, you know, take the plunge, so to speak. And while I was in the military, we had tried to get stationed overseas at various locations, uh, different assignments, you know, special duty assignments in order to make our transition to Israel a lot easier after I left the military. Um, that didn't happen. I ended up separating and uh, we moved to Brooklyn to be with family for a little bit. We were thinking, you know, three to five years and then we would go. But um, one day my son came home. He was probably three or four years old. And I just learned about Parshat uh, Lech Lecha. So he was saying, Lech Lecha, go, Hashem said so. Um, the following year, he was going to start going to, I guess, first grade maybe, or kindergarten. And we didn't want to get too ingrained or entrenched into it, because once he starts school, then that's just... I, that would be it. You know, we you would, thought, we would basically thought. be stuck there. Yeah, you thought, though. Right. It's, it's, okay. Okay. So let me just stop you. Let me stop you. I just want to ask you a couple questions. First of all, to be a Jewish American in the military, I don't think it's so common today. So can you tell us a little bit how that happened, what that involved? And, you know, also to be a Zionist, you're saying you always wanted to move to Israel. I don't know what always is. Is it always since you were an adult? Were you growing up with trips to Israel every summer? Tell, tell me a little bit about that. So the military, I don't know, it just, it was something that spoke to me. I, I grew up as a child watching the GI Joe. Um, Israel is, is always on our minds 
as Jews. I mean, it's the, what the entire Torah is about, you know, leaving Egypt and going to Israel. So it's something that's always there. And I always personally had like a draw to it. All right. Now um, I have to stop you right there because that's not really true. There are Jews all over the world who are not connected to Israel and who do not think about Israel and it's not part of their lives at all. It's not in their soul. It's not in their head. They have been removed by society, you know, the way they were raised, but you weren't, you're different. Um, that's not something everybody has. You must've had it in your, in your home. Not really. I mean, my, my family, they're not really, uh, they, they have a love for Israel, but they don't have a, a love to actually come here. You know, they, they actually want that we return back to the States, you know? So it's, it's, well, it's not is, from what, them. I think yeah, it's, is, more it's not from them. Okay. Internal. It's more internal. It's a, it's a personal thing. Okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe who knows? <laughs> no, you probably do know. It probably is something that did happen that you just maybe don't acknowledge or don't remember, but everything happens out of something and nothing, nothing just happens on its own. You know, right, everything happens for a oh, reason. Okay, so whatever. It did happen. Lucky us, lucky you, lucky wife, and lucky children. Um, tell me a little bit, if you don't mind, how a Jewish boy from America gets involved in the military besides just liking G.I. Joe. I mean, did you have friends that went where you grew up? Did people go? Was it encouraged at home? It's just unusual, a little bit unusual. No, it, it really wasn't. It was just something that also it, it pulled me in. I I felt like I should serve the country that I lived in. It was nationalistic, I guess. Where, you, um, where were you raised? I loved uh, South Florida. Uh -huh. Are there, was that, were there other people, other friends of yours, other Jewish friends of yours who, who were like this, like you? Um, there's not many of us. When I was in basic training out of the entire base, there were only seven of us. And that's out of thousands and okay. thousands of right. troops. See? So See? Yeah. A, <laughs> yeah. And these were seven from the entire United States, right. basically. Right. It's at unusual. that point in time. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So you're different. I guess you were always a little different. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that, that would be very fair. Okay. Okay. Because it's very funny that you're very humble the way you say, oh, yeah, I like G.I. Joe. Well, everybody likes G.I. Joe. I remember my little brother liked G.I. Joe, but he didn't go to the Army. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's go on. You uh, you decided with your wife, you probably chose your wife, um, like I chose my husband, already talking about making Aliyah when you were dating. So, I mean, you know, yeah. you, you both, right, you both have this goal, very nice, and you get to this point, the kid is probably five years old, you're, you're your oldest, and you're like, we got to go before he gets into school. I totally understand that. Great decision, great timing, great reason. Um, everyone listening, if you are in doubt, as to when to go, go as soon as you can, go when the kids are little, it makes everything easier. Um, great. Tell us what happened. You got here and where'd you land? What were your plans? Well, first, I mean, it, it would it would be better to sort of backtrack and say what I did prior to coming here because the whole idea, I, I like to sort of prepare as much as possible. And, um, you know, after I left the military, my job in the military was an electrical environmental systems craftsman. So basically anything that had a wire to it on an aircraft, I would fix. Also the air conditioning, heating, pressurization, liquid oxygen, nitrogen, carbon dioxide. 
the career field was very diverse. Um, but the only job that ended up coming my way that would work around Sabbath and holidays was um, an appliance company. So I had worked for them for a little while, and then I decided that I would just open up my own appliance business, and that's what I did. Um, so I worked on appliances in Brooklyn for in Manhattan, Queens, that whole little five boroughs there, for you know some time, and I decided when we're going over to Israel that I would contact whoever deals with this specific brand, Mila. And I contacted them. They said, yeah, once you get here, everything will set it up. You come, you'll work for us. You know, the oh. typical, like Israelis. <laughs> and uh, so I came here and the tune was a little bit changed. Um, they had taken a year and a half before they had hired me. And in the interim, I did a bunch of odd jobs, you know, just working in electric or you know, minor home repairs, or, uh, you know, I started working with uh, air conditioning as well. And then finally, they called me up after, like I said, a year and a half, and they said, Oh, come work for us. All right. So you're skipping the story you told me earlier. Um, I'll just tell the listeners because it's instructive. You got here, you called them, they invited you in to go out for a day on calls with a technician. And uh, at the end of the day, they said, well, we're not going to hire you. Your Hebrew is not good enough. Right. Okay. That's instructive for everyone listening because we've had people come on the show and say, prepare, 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 learn Hebrew, learn as much as you can. We've had other people come on the show and say the exact opposite. They live here. They're okay with English. They get by. It's not a big deal. You had it, a different... it was mostly the, the company itself. You know, I, I could have worked it wouldn't have been such a problem right you know you pick up things as you go along you right. learn nouns very easily from you know even customers right. they're happy to uh, explain things as well um when i when i come into a home i don't really have to speak to the customer that much i just need to get a general idea of what's happening but really i talk to the machine right you know right sure. <laughs> and it, it speaks my language right right so um, what happened? So after a year and a half, they, they, they called you back and said, we were mistaken, we do need you, something like that? Something along those lines, yeah. And so I worked for them, I think, for a year or so, and it was, it was very brutal. Um, oddly, you would think that other Jews would understand Shabbat and holidays and things of that nature. You wouldn't have to explain it to them. I was actually treated better by a non-Jewish company back in the States regarding, you know, holidays and whatnot, than the, you know, the company here. Um, it, it, it was just, they, they load the technicians up with an excessive amount of calls where they're not able to actually fix the machines at all. Uh -huh. Right. And that's, to me, that's not good business. It just leaves everybody upset and it wears the technicians out. It's better to do less and fix than have to constantly reschedule just mm. because you don't have the time or you don't have the part or whatever the issue is. Mm. Um, but that's a whole different other animal. It's managing and whatnot. So anyways, I got injured and they didn't want to accept the responsibility for it at all. They said I came that way. Huh? And uh, then wow. that sort of 
transitioned me into the profession that I'm in now as a personal trainer. Interesting. You're a personal trainer, but you have all yeah. these other, you have this whole other set of skills. Crazy. <laughs> ironic. Yeah. It is ironic. And somebody's going to find you and, uh, you know, they should. Um, <laughs> that's just crazy. Okay. This is part of life in a new country. You know, you, I guess, kind of have to roll with it sometimes. And it's, it could be very frustrating. Now, what happened to you, that story, um, would have sent some people home back to where they came from packing saying they failed some people do have stories of failure and they, they sound a lot like yours but you did not you stuck it out you're still here and you just kind of opened i guess a new door and started yeah. something else how did that uh, go Tell it was it was interesting because there was before we left uh new york i spoke with this one rabbi um and he said, don't go there with the intention that you can come back. If you go there, you're going there to stay there. So that stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. Aside well, you're not, from, but it's not just you. It's your wife also. You know? Yeah. You guys have to. Well, I mean, we're, we're a partnership. That's right. You know? partnership. Right. Can't really separate. Right. It's also there's, there's another contract <laughs> on that one. That's right. Um but it, it's it's what you want to make of it right if Correct. something is difficult if you have stress imposed on you you can either break apart or you can grow from it mm -hmm. you know you can think about it as like a, a pot of boiling water you throw spaghetti into it it gets soft you throw an egg into it it gets hard you know which one do you want to be <laughs> nice also with with muscle growth right if you want to grow muscles you want to increase you know your stamina what do you do you impose a stress on it right. you exert yourself even more in order to grow right. and that's how life is also right, right? you want to grow in life you you have to have these little hiccups these little bumps these little stressors that push you right you know and then right. you you just grow from it growing pains yeah that's what growing exactly. pains are. right you're right, 100%. Um, excellent. That's a good lesson for all of us right there. Um, so tell us what, um, uh, a little more. Okay, so you, you're here already, uh, wow, 23 years? 13, 13, 14 years. Oh, okay. 2009. Oh, 2009. Not, not yeah. okay, 2009. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, now you hear how good my math is, right? All right, you, you, I don't know if you ended up in, um, we came we came straight from the plane to here and we haven't left you are kidding nope that's amazing that yep. that's really great that's very very helpful to find a home and a community is very helpful once you're grounded here um all those other stressors that you were just talking about will happen it doesn't matter where you are but everything's a little bit more manageable if you have a, a community a home a base you know what i mean and yep. um it, it yeah that's and, and a partner an understanding partner um and you have to be strong both of you have to be strong and work together um why don't you tell me a little bit about your family the ages of your children today what everyone's doing so my oldest he's 17 going to be 18. um my youngest is five months uh -huh. i have four boys and three girls beautiful Beautiful. So, so your oldest is still in high school. I mean, you don't have any kids in the army. Yeah, yet. this is his last. This is his last year in high school, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. basically. Okay. Okay. 
and this is your last year with the full house. So then you will join the rest of us and see them all uh, go off. I'm not sure. I don't think so. He, he's not the type that would, uh, he wants to leave, but you know, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> uh -huh. Interesting. What do you mean wants to leave? Every teenager, you know, they, they want to find their own space, but sure, sure, you know, they do. it's not very feasible. Okay. Okay. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. It sounds pretty amazing. Tell me a little bit about your business and maybe we can just uh, throw it out there so people can hear if they want to contact you, if you are open to that, your personal trainer, you train, I guess, men, women, what, how does that, adults? I train people, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's very it, it depends on the person what they're actually looking for what they they need themselves um i've worked with you know children in you know yeshivas and i worked with a client who was 79 years old mm -hmm. so it, it really depends on what the person is looking for but mainly what i try to do is you know strengthen them in order to make them more resilient to deal with everyday stressors and activities, you know, bringing about a healthier living and lifestyle. That's mental, not just physical. The physical and the, the mental comes along with it. That's right. Lifting weights, lifting weights is not uh, an exercise. It's not just physically moving this bar in this plane, right? You have to actually focus on it. You have to visualize it. It's, it's about breathing as well. You, you're taking in a breath, you're exhaling at this specific point in order that the muscles are able to work. So you're not strangling the muscles themselves. So they, they don't work. There's a lot of little intricate details that are involved with that, that make it very mental. That's true. It's also motivation. It's true. Um, yeah, it, very interesting. How did you switch into that, if I may ask, and, and, and what kind of training certification education did you need so it was always a dream of mine believe it or not to be a personal trainer um when i was in the military and going to university a lot of my classes that i took they were based on the body like anatomy and physiology and flight physiology just because that was something that i was you know, interested in. So my degree was in business, but I still took courses relative to, you know, the body. The idea was that I would, you know, be a personal trainer and use my business degree in order to, you know, <laughs> basically run my own business. And mm -hmm. uh, so it was always a dream. So you can say I came here and started living my dream. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as certifications, I also went and took a certification course from an organization in America, and I'm constantly learning, you know, in order to basically keep that certification on a yearly basis. Mm -hmm. That's a whole job so in I've itself. Learned, so. I've learned things, uh, I learned bodybuilding, exercise therapy. Um, powerlifting, there's a whole gambit of different uh, avenues that I'm trained with. Wonderful. So I'm just going to ask you one more question before I let you go. Tell me about your partner, your wife. Um, 
let's see. I mean, does she work? Does very, she stay at home? very. She's very supportive. Um, we're we're in this together in everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get along great. Um, we rarely ever have any conversation. That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. You know, I mean, she, she no, that's not what I mean. Joseph, not what I mean. People are listening. They're listening to your story and they're thinking of their own story. And they're thinking, well, if he can go there as some kind of electrical engineer genius and end up being a personal trainer, um, I wonder what kind of money he makes. I wonder how he can support himself. I wonder if his wife helps him. Is it something that he just does and he's the only earner? They're asking. So I'm asking you. For them, for our listeners, your wife, is she a contributor to the household income? Does she have her own profession? Is it all on you? Are you successful enough to have her stay at home? I know in Israel, just like you know in Israel, it's mostly a two-income family. Mm -hmm. Um, So tell me, if is is that the case with you? And if so, what does your wife do to help? So there was a point where, you know, she was going to school in order to get her degree in education and uh, special education and it was basically all on me so i was the only one working at the time and but now she she has her degree and she works in the gunning mm-hmm. so it is a two parts it is a two person income and mm-hmm. uh, i want our listeners to know that that is normal i i don't know um I, I really don't know anyone, any woman who doesn't have um, Parnassa on her own. Maybe one, I think, maybe think of one, but I think I'm probably wrong about that. It's, it's very hard here, okay? This is not, and I, I think it's hard everywhere today. It's not like the 1970s when it was a one-person income anymore. I think everywhere, everything has changed in our society. But in Israel, it's always been very modern that way. Women have always worked. They get very, very high in the different um, professions, in different fields. You see women everywhere doctors you know normal you see lots of women in the hospital all kinds of jobs it's not just men um of course that's the only one that comes to mind but accountants everything you find women everywhere and um it's uh it's very healthy and it's very very good role model for all the children i think to see you know a two-parent um team that way mother is very healthy for numbers you know mothers work kids go have to kind of grow up and, and take care of themselves and uh the both parents leave the house and um, they, both parents share in the responsibility. I think it's very healthy. Anyway, Yosef, um, good luck with the with everything. You sound like a great story, a very inspiring story. Um, Thank you. And I hope all our listeners, if you have any questions, please reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with Yosef. Um, he is proof that when you come here, no matter how much education, no matter how many plans you make, things don't always work out and you've got to be strong and you've got to have the um, right. um, It's not a matter of personality. You've got to have the right attitude to whatever is thrown at you to be able to pretty much throw it back. And if something is in your way on one path, take another path. It happens to all of us in small ways in big ways in professional ways in personal ways you know we're always going to have challenges really no matter where we are but changing your entire life and coming here makes everything just i think a little bit harder a little bigger and a little more um more challenging but you know joseph's story is a good one and all of you with your own struggles just think of what he went through as a man as a leader of the household and um if he can do it you can do it right 
that that's what I wanted to say. So thank you again, Yosef. And um, thank you. Best of luck with everything. And it really is great to have met you. Likewise. Yofi. Bye bye. Bye. I um I want to just tell you one little thought, an experience I had recently, and then we're going to end the show. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Um, I think his story is a great one, really a great one, and we can all learn from that. I love hearing the the people who, you know, have a hard time because there's usually a lesson in there. Um, but you know, in general, I think Alia is just getting easier and easier in the process and the way that you know life works here everything's faster and easier but also a lot of people who come here already have friends and family because they've you know come before them they preceded them so that makes things easier too it's rare to find people who come with no one that doesn't really happen so much anyway um that guy came you know back in 2009 i think so it was a while ago but what I wanted to tell all of you was um, something that I actually had uh, recorded earlier, and it didn't come out so good. So I'm going to do it again. Um, right before the nine days, I went on a women's retreat. I think I may have been telling you about that um, in a previous show. I don't think so, though. We went away for a Shabbat, my husband and I. So this was a women's retreat. There's women of Susia, they do this every year for the past few years. They've had some kind of activity, trip, beach party, hike for women. And it's always been in the summer and it's always been during my hours at the pool and I've missed it. And they get t-shirts and they tell me later, why didn't you come? And it's true, I could have probably worked out something with somebody to replace me. But either I didn't know about it or I didn't go for some reason. So this year they advertised and I went because my daughter pushed me to go and a friend of mine, um, my friend Lisa, she told me, go, you never know what will come of it. You may be in a room with some woman that you only see now and then and all of a sudden you have this shared experience. Because I was telling her, just like I tell all of you, I see these people, same people, lots of them, every single day. I have a very public position here as a lifeguard, you know, I, I see everybody um, and the way they behave, you know, on their own without their families is sometimes very telling, you know, you really see them in their raw skin and um, in any case, I see a lot of them and sometimes I would think, why would I want to spend extra time and extra money to see them again? So I, I listened to her, and I did sign up, and I went, and I ended up um, being in a room with two other women. I knew them both, and one of them um, was telling me about a problem she's having with her daughter, and it got so bad, you know, she was like ranting and raving. And she even said to me, you know, I don't tell anybody this, but I trust you and I just got to get it out. And I said, absolutely, no problem. You can trust me. And even during the night, there was, um, we had, they had a stand-up comedian come. They rented, what the trip was, was a rented villa, a house in this uh, Moshav off of Route 35, about an hour from Susia, with a private pool and a um, yard. 
and they had activities planned. And one of the activities was having this stand-up comedian come and entertain us for the night. Okay. Um, but I went to bed early. I, I need to go to bed early, and I get up early, so I left that event in the middle. <clears throat> and her husband called me. I was in bed. And he called me, and he said, I'm trying to get in touch with her. Can you please get my wife? Um, I'm in the hospital with our daughter. It's a mental thing going on with the daughter. And, um, you know, I had to, like, pull her out of the audience and get her to talk to her husband. Even though she had already told me what was going on, she had told me earlier what was going on. It wasn't a surprise to me. But I'm telling you this because it really made me realize that just because we're olim, just because I'm an ola and those of you listening are going to be olim, some of you are already here, and we have our struggles and we have our challenges with the culture and the language, the connections, doesn't mean that Israelis don't have their own struggles too. And I see this over and over through all my years here, but it really never gets through to me that they have their own problems just because they're Israeli with friends and the language and the culture and they know all the words to the songs. Just because they're from here doesn't mean their lives are problem-free. And I saw this up close with this woman. She has a real problem with her one daughter. You know, I don't have problems like that with my children. I have other problems. We all have problems, okay? It doesn't matter if you're Israeli or not. It doesn't matter if you're with a big family or a small one. We all have problems. And it was... I guess worth me going to this getaway, this retreat, to at least see that and appreciate that. You know, we're not really alone with having these struggles. Being an immigrant, yeah, we're going to have different kinds of struggles than other people, but everybody has them. Everybody does have them. And I wanted to share that with you. It's important to keep in mind, I always think Israelis have it easy. I always think they have such an easier life. And in some aspects, yes, they do. But in other aspects, they have troubles just like everyone else. And we're all human and, you know, it's good to keep that in mind. All right. I hope you enjoyed the show. I... um wish you all a, a, an easy fast if you're listening to this at the beginning of Tisha B'Av and a good week and I will continue to do my best to bring good inspiring interviews for all of you to listen to and please continue to write in with your thoughts your comments your suggestions at natalie at israelnewstalkradio.com and um, they'll be passed to me. Thank you so much. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. 
Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 